You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's your boy, 35, the All-American. And Dan. Dapper Dan at 35. How y'all feeling, man? Great uh, vibrations in the air. It's yeah, beautiful man. Monday. Yeah, it, it was it was a better Monday, man, you know, than, than the past few. But uh, definitely enjoyed the day, man, and, and, and uh, had a great weekend. What about you, Daniel? I had a good weekend. I was down in South Florida. I uh, got to spend some time with uh, with some friends and family uh, while I was down there. I uh, got to see Corey on Friday. We took him and uh, his boy Dan and, and his dad out boating. So I had a uh, had a great time doing that. Uh, he might tell you a, uh, a story about some shenanigans that, that, of, course, <laughs> that of course didn't happen. Uh, yeah, that's hey, how it, was, it was a one hundred percent G rated event. Oh, hey man, um, my pops was like. He didn't get. He was. Um, he was a little sad. He didn't get to say bye to you. He was like, "What the hell, Dan? I want to tell him um, thanks for the, the boat ride, man. They had. They enjoyed themselves. My homeboy yeah, did. Good. My pops did. They had a good ass time, dog. Pops is um, looking into getting his own um, <laughs> membership in this shit now. Uh, My man. He uh, no, they were they were a ton of fun. Um, I, I had to stick around after just to to sign off on on everything being all uh, all hunky dory on the uh, on the boat side. Get the gas paid for. I might let you just skip past the whole trip. My, this man, it started off smooth, my, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Dan was chill. Bro, drinks start rolling in, man. We got back on the boat on the way back. We got lost on the intercoastal, my. Yeah, no. yeah. All right, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's do this. So you know, we didn't get we didn't get lost. Yeah, we 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 didn't get lost. So Lantana, Dan is the first person I seen use nav- uh, street navigation on the water, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So no, I wasn't street navigation. So <laughs> like, uh, Siri, get back to the dog. I was like, what's yeah. going on, baby? So, no, so out of turn left, bro. <laughs> no, there, so there's like twelve bridges down there, and I and I miss uh, I misinterpreted where one of the bridges are, so I kept going. Uh, we went probably another like ten minutes further south than we probably should have. So uh, we got there. We got everybody got back safe. Um, you know, no, no, no big deal. You know, blowing, blowing stuff hey, out man, of the porch, right? Just extra time on the water. Amad, yeah. this man was driving the boat like it was a jet ski, bro. Nah, man. Dan <laughs> out of control. They're going to take damn membership, man. <laughs> I, I, saw sure. every, I said, Dan, drive it like yours, baby. They're going to restriction, man. Damn, I That's why I'm part of a boat club because they're not mine. I treat, I treat, <laughs> treat them like a rental club. You know? There you go. He out here no, disrespecting the weight zones, man. He's supposed to slow down. He coming through hot, man. It's nice ambiance restaurants on the water. He coming through like a jet ski, bro. Uh, waves everywhere, huh? Waves everywhere. The sheriff like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so no, no, they so the, the sheriff thing, I, I like looked at it afterwards because like I swore it was a like a a normal wake zone. So it goes from like normal to slow back to normal. It's one of those speed traps, but we didn't, n- nothing happened. He just said, Hey, slow down. We slowed down. We got back safe. So 
Um, you're trying to make me seem like some thing. sort of uh, yeah, <laughs> like I'm driving like a cigarette boat. You know? That's what it was. Hey, we gotta get I, pontoons. I, I, you, we need, we need pontoons you. with Dan, bro. Dan think he yeah. Dale Earnhardt on the water, yeah, bro. There's like there's like five six people on the boat. The boat has 175 horsepower. Those that know how to boat know that you can't go that fast. So um, your, your story's gonna the tall tales stop there. You know. He was riding it like a jet ski, bro. I'm gonna tell you. You have to, you have to cut over. He's like, you know how you like, uh, do like a kick slide on a bicycle, like right before you get to something. <laughs> he was doing that shit right before the poles in the water, bro. Oh, no, 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 no. We had a. Uh, <laughs> we had a good time, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had a blast, dog. Shout I had out a blast. to your dad and. Uh, yeah, your boy Dan that came down. Dan woke up at four in the morning to come boat, and that's uh, that's friendship. So that's that that's dedication right there. That's yeah, it's his birthday weekend as well. It's my son's birthday weekend. It's his birthday weekend, so he he always come home to hang out this weekend. We always kick it Father's Day um, weekend as well. So he'll be back next week. Um, but yeah, we gotta do it again. Man, my birthday next month. We gotta, go out, we gotta go out and kick it. Absolutely. I'll be uh, I'll be down at uh, probably the end of July. So. Yeah, let's uh, do so it. Let's we'll, kick it. We'll, we'll, we'll find some time to uh, to do that. But happy birthday to uh, to Dan. Happy birthday to your son. And it's your daughter's birthday coming up pretty soon, right? So, yeah, on a record next week, it'll be her birthday. Happy yeah, birthday! Right. One week <laughs> apart. <laughs> there you go, man. Oh man. Well, before we get uh, too far into the show. Uh, let's uh, give a shout out to our friends over at the Thomas Firm. The Thomas Firm uh, is going to handle all of your insurance uh, claims for property and damage uh, to your homes or business. Uh, their lawyers do have over 20 years of experience handling roof damage, leaks from storms, uh, water damage, hail damage, hurricane damage, sinkhole damage, fires. Uh, we brought uh, Jed Thomas on last week, had a great conversation with him uh, about getting your home prepared for hurricane season, which uh, we're about two weeks into. Uh, they're going to do work all over the state of Florida. No claim is too big or too small for them. So if you suspect that you have any uh, damage to your home, give them a call. The Thomas Law Firm, uh, their offices are located here in Tampa, but they do do work all over the state of Florida. Give them a call, 813-221-2525. They're also going to help you with any uh, COVID-related business issues as well. So give them a call again, 813-221-2525. So let's get into – do you guys want to start with national news or Gator news first? Uh, Let's do the Gator news. Let's get the important shit out of the way. How about that? That's right. Uh, Shout out to to Kyle Pitts, was named uh, Walter Camp First Team All-American. I imagine – in the country. Right. I imagine that that is going to be an honor that he gets next season or at the end of the season as well. What do you guys think? I don't know. They, they're, they're weird with these awards and shit. So I don't know yeah. what, which awards he'll get, but I think he'll be a uh, All-American. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they de- they're definitely weird about the awards and how they give them out and the criteria for each award. And, um, but he he's definitely going to get uh, a lot of accolades when the season's over. I can yeah, imagine. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Trask about to lean on him heavy. Yeah, that, oh. yeah, that's what he's doing. yeah, the pillow all day. Absolutely. So, so that's Spencer, it. Spencer tweeted it from the pod account. This is something that I'm kind of throwing freestyle because I just remembered. Uh, who do you think leads the the Gators in receiving touchdowns this season? Receiving touchdowns, Oof, I would yeah. probably take. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'll go Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I'm gonna go Pitts. Okay. Uh, like, I think I'm gonna go Grimes. Well, here's the thing, though. You know, uh, from a defensive back standpoint. Like when it gets to to close to the red zone, the tight end is the number one target. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, especially especially if they're active and 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 you know they hybrid the ty- hybrid type like like Pitts is. Look at the, the national championship. We line him up wide in the slot anywhere in the red right, zone, right. anywhere across the field. So I, I like I just like how versatile he is, and he's a big body. Like 
He can do the slant. Yeah. He can do the fade. Any close, you got to right. understand. You know, so um, when, we, when we play Oklahoma in the national championship, when they score twice, um, with Gresham, the tight end, we were supposed to double team when they, you know, one time I messed up and one time Major messed up and we didn't double team mm. and, and he scored. So, um, you know, teams like to lean on the tight end, especially in the red zone. Okay. More. Who do you think leads the uh, team in receiving yards? I'm going to go Copeland. Just because, um, you know, make me yards after the catch ability and he's also can stretch the field. So, like, yards wise, I think he would be uh, my guy. So, I'm going to go Copeland. Okay. I'm gonna go Grimes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what Grimes like to do, man. Grimes can take the top off as well, so um, look, looking to see a big year from Grimes, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, he he makes a lot of plays. You know, the top the top being taken off is gonna is gonna really come down to because I think the guys last year could take the top off with Tyree Cleveland and those guys, but it's gonna yeah, come down sure. to the QB. Yeah, that yeah, it looked like his arm getting a little bit stronger, man. He putting a little bit more uh, zip on the balls and whatnot from mm-hmm. the videos I've seen, so. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited. Absolutely, we should be. We we we, we set up to, to make a run, man. Uh, we just gotta stay healthy and and avoid the Rona. That's all. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Grimes too. I think I'm gonna go Grimes to the most yards. Uh, so let's see what else. Uh, this is some stuff in baseball news. Uh, Brady Smith, catcher, first baseman, third baseman, uh, has decided to go for forego his last two seasons. Uh, he's signed a free agent deal with the Texas Rangers. Uh, so he's going to be moving on to Major League Baseball if that ever happens again. And then Tommy Mace, uh, one of the Gator star pitchers, uh, was drafted but has decided to come back uh, and finish his career at the University of Florida. Uh, they had two players drafted, uh, Zach Veen and Colby Mayo. Uh, who were signees uh, to the Gators, uh, and they've already signed with their Major League Baseball program. So the Gators are losing just one player, Brady Smith, to the Major League Baseball draft, um, and just two of their signees. The rest are going to make it on the campus. And I think the Gators had a, a top three recruiting class, so that's uh, that's great for, for both of them. Bigger news from that. This is going to kind of expand a more national uh, discussion. And we're actually going to have uh, Brooks McElroy, uh on a little bit later, talk a little bit more. Uh, last week, uh, Governor DeSantis signed a college athlete name, image, and likeness bill, which will become effective on July 1st, 2021 which will allow college athletes in Florida to get signed paid endorsement deals. We knew this was coming. Uh, It had been in the works for a while. It had been sitting on the governor's desk uh, for some time, but it is officially signed. And now the NCAA has 13 months to try to figure out what to do uh, in the state of Florida. So thoughts? Yeah, I think this is, uh, this is the future. This is where, this is where football is going. Um, that's going to benefit us, man. I want to even the playing fields. I think a lot of teams are already doing this endorsement and benefit things behind the, behind the scenes. So I just want to even the playing fields where everybody can kind of do the same thing, you know? So I like it because yeah. I don't think we dropping bags like that. So this guy to make the bags legal. Well, no, it, <laughs> that, that's true. Um, <laughs> this, this is what it is. Just, just keep it a little buck. Um, it's dope, though, man, because, you know, you got to understand what the NCAA has been able to do to athletes since the beginning of time, you know, um, way before me, you know, you know, after me, um, you know, it, it, they still continue to make money off the players. And yet the players always get the short end of the stick, which is not fair because, you know, ultimately you got to understand, right, these players do the most rigorous workouts, the most, you know, the hardest 
you know, routines that, that, you know, early mornings, waking up, throwing up, doing all this for only 14 weekends out of 52. Imagine that. Yeah, the hardest workouts mm-hmm. ever, you know, for, you know, in basketball for a couple weekends out of, out of the whole year, you know, and, and all sports, you know. So, you know, why not let these players, you know, get paid off their name or whatnot? And, and, and you know, if they if they earn it, I mean, they should be able to get it. You know, some of these people taking care of, of, of families back home. Mm-hmm. So you you gonna tell them? Yeah, that, I, that they can't have a summer job, or you know, like come on, like you need to get some time. Yeah, of- no, I think of it. I think of it as even bigger than that. I mean, you make a great point, but you know, I think of, there was a, I think a kicker from UCF a few years ago that yeah. had a YouTube channel that had nothing to do with football, uh, yeah. that he uh, got that taken away from, from him or the ability to make money taken away from him. You know, I think of some of the athletes that, uh, you know, can, you know, that have huge followings that can do some Instagram, you know, posts and, and things of that nature. It just, it, to me, me, it's it's never made sense for the NCAA not to let players make money on their name, image, or likeness. Um, we can have the debate all day long on whether players should get paid by the university or not. Uh, but the ability to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness is something that I think is is long overdue. The NCAA has, you know, purportedly been working on this for years to try to figure this out. And the state of Florida said, you know, and I know California signed legislation a few years ago that's going to go into effect, I believe, in 2023. Uh, but you know, they said, hey, you know, now it's 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 time to put up or shut up and, and we need to start making sure that these athletes, just like any other college student uh, that's on campus or any other student um, in general can, can make money on their name image likeness. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to. So uh, proud of the state of Florida for leading the charge in that one. Uh, proud of Governor DeSantis for signing that bill. And, and we'll see what the NCAA does in the next 13 months. But uh, for now, players will be able to so we get... still got to wait on the NCAA. That's what no, that's no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think we, we need to, no, this is where the NCA now has 13 months to figure out what they're going to do, uh, you know, for themselves. Do they move now? Uh, but no, I mean, starting July 1st, 2023 or 2021, um, unless there is a national bill that would supersede this bill, and that would have to come from the United States Congress, the United States Senate, and then signed by the president, uh, no law will will supersede this, even the NCAA. So, um, you know, the NCAA might try to pull some shenanigans on eligibility, things of that nature but I doubt that they would, especially because I think there's right now 20 or, or 21 states that are looking at similar legislation as well. So I would imagine the NCAA is just going to work overtime, try to figure out what they can do and make sure that these players can get uh, get paid for their name, image, and likeness. It's just weird, bro, because they, they always like, yeah, we'll do it. But this is like they put it on the, on the desk and just let other papers pile on top of it and they just forget. You know, it's, it's just it's like they sit on their ass with this, bro. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Well, I'm glad that we're not sitting on our asses anymore, right? Um, you know, this has been long overdue for, for players. Uh, you know, I can think, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago that this is, is something that, that should have been allowed, right? Again, we can talk about paying for players and giving them salaries or whatever the case may be until we're blue in the face, but there's no reason why, you know, there's a kicker or a, a soccer player, pardon me, I believe from Florida State, you know, that has – a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers. There's no reason she shouldn't be able to monetize that. You know, there's people that are putting out original content. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to capitalize on that, right? If Kadarius Tony wants to drop a mixtape, he shouldn't have to give it away to people for free. He should 
charge, you know, $2 for it or whatever it is. Right. So, you know, players should be able to, to do that. They should be able to make money. You know, the NCAA already limits the amount of time that a player can work anyway. You know, so like you said, Amon, you know, some of these guys, you know, come from, you know, you know, families or areas where maybe they don't have money to support, um, you know, themselves and, or maybe they need to provide some additional support to their family and why not be able to use their God given talent to be able to do so. Cool. Um, bigger picture, uh, again, uh, the NCAA uh, Football Oversight Committee officially approved a six-week preseason practice plan that they're expected to approve this week, um, that schools can start practice in mid to late July, uh, but must practice uh, for at least four weeks before being allowed to play. Uh, Nick Delatore uh, on Gator Country said that it's going to be kind of a similar model to what it was before. Uh, uh, Ahmad, when you played, where you have a couple of practices where uh, you're just in shells and then you are, or no helmets and then you're in shells and then you're in full pads. So I think that they're going to do uh, four pads or four practices without being in full pads and then back in, in the full swing of things. So football. Uh, looks like it is on a trajectory to start at the end of August, early September, uh, like it was originally planned. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm just curious to see how they how they do like with like tailgates and whatnot. What's going to be the rules and you know how many people are allowed in the tailgate and you know all kind of you know stuff like that. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. You think they're gonna allow tailgates? That's the, that's what I'm saying. What like what it. I mean, is people going to just have to show up to the game right before? Or like what? You know, they allow fans in games. Um, I mean, I, I think they could. It's possible. It just have to be spread out, and obviously not nearly as many fans as capacity. But I think a couple thousand. What'd you say? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm interested to see how all this play out. Um, anybody, anybody that I've talked to, they don't think it's gonna be fans. Like, like the few coaches that I've talked to, they don't think it's gonna be fans. So uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, because I yeah, mean, I the spike I is back out right with now. all this. Yeah, I don't see it. Like this, this, these numbers just spike back up all crazy. The numbers are spiking. See it. Yeah, true. The numbers are spiking. So I, I don't know, bro. It's gonna be. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see how everything plays out for sure. Yeah, I don't know what kind of liability you know, falls on the yeah, <laughs> I don't know what kind of liability falls back onto the universities and, and things of that nature. And I know that that's not something that they want to do. It seems like other leagues are trying to figure out, you know, you have soccer over in Europe, you have NASCAR, you have a few others, uh, golf that have, you know, done okay without fans. Yeah, it's going to be super weird. But, you know, I think that a lot of the universities would rather – play it safe than then potentially you know risk something yeah, you know incredibly damaged definitely and i'm fine it, without it, fans it, it, yeah like, it'll be, it'll be uh, a weird transition to, to play in a swamp without fans but i know a few times man we, we have scrimmages you know in, in the swamp without fans so it ain't like it, it's never happened before you know you, you practice every day without fans so no, no we're talking about as fans watching it like it's gonna be weird to us too yeah true <laughs> you know, yeah. the crowd is not going wild at any it, point. It's, it's really not. You know what I'm saying? Like, internet going to be, Twitter going to be live, bro, during games, bro. I can just tell you that. Everybody's no, going to be absolutely. Like, like, break the internet football. It's all, it's over <laughs> the internet, dog. And it's going to be weird to, like, turn on, turn on the football game and then you turn on the Lakers game. Like, what? Like, 
You know, yeah, I don't even know if that's gonna happen. We'll see what LeBron and Kyrie got going on. They squared yeah, they up. Got, they got shenanigans too out there, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they well, at least up. at least the NHL will be on, so you can turn on a Gators game right into the Lightning game. All right, Dan. I don't know. Okay, I, I can't wait to not do that and lie like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I looked, I like, oh, hey, so oh, remember I, when you were a Lightning fan for about that three was years. a hype. That was a hype season, though, bro. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I was watching all the games, bro. Who's winning this shit? Oh, yeah, that was a good season. When I when I was in when I was in Tampa, man, we uh went deep in the playoffs a few times. So it was, it was, super, it was super cool. Hockey, I don't know my, my, playoff hockey hockey is exciting. I just can't. No, I, like I went that. to bro. I went to a, a, a game when they played Pittsburgh one time. The Penguins on a Saturday, yeah. bro. I swear to God, bro, they had more fans than we did in Tampa. I'm like, bro, they try all Pittsburgh teams travel, bro, and it was bro. They crazy about the about the uh, hockey, bro. That was a dope game to, to go to. That's what's up. Yeah, Pittsburgh fans always travel well. Uh, kind of all across the board, the Northeast travels well. But uh, before we uh, we get too carried away, uh, Silk, why don't you introduce our first guest and, and we'll get the other show started. First guest is J.C. Deacon. And it's brought to you by Brun Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, hit my man Greg up. 954-589-2204. My man specializes in auto, home, uh, financial services, anything you need, hit him up. Uh, he'll give you quotes. Uh, a family guy, man. Um, real hands-on in the process. I hit him up over the weekend. My keys got locked in the car. He'll help you out with roadside assistance, any type of thing like that. You always reach out to his DMs or his phone number, man. So 954-589-2204. Big policy, big coverage. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And then joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is the men's golf coach, J.C. Deacon. J.C., how are you this evening? I'm great, guys. Great to uh, be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, J.C., we ask this to almost every guest that we have on the show. How'd you ultimately end up in Gainesville and coaching the men's golf program? Um, well, it's, uh, it's my dream job. So I'm, I feel, uh, very, very fortunate to be sitting here, but, uh, I was, um, an assistant coach for, for three years at UNLV in Las Vegas where I played golf and, um, Jeremy Foley, uh, saw something in me and uh, I was the, the only assistant coach they interviewed for the job at the time when, uh, buddy Alexander retired. And, uh, I just, I came here and felt right at home and, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy thought I'd do a good job and gave me a shot. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to prove him right. I love it. I love it. So what was it like leaving your, your alma mater? So you went to UNLV, graduated, played professionally for some time, and I know you still play a bit professionally, and then uh, went back to a to full-time assistant coaching at UNLV. What was that like uh, leaving your, your alma mater? Well, it was, it was tough leaving um, just because, you know, Coach Knight, who who got me uh, got me a spot at UNLV when when I was 18, and then uh, took me in as an assistant coach when I was 27. He uh, he means the world to me. He's like a like a second father, and um, has has always been there for me. So when I had to uh, had to leave and tell him I was going to Florida, it was it was tough. But uh, you know, he wants the best for me, and and knew this was an opportunity I could never pass up. And he was he was really pumped about it. So it was. Uh, it was bittersweet leaving all those relationships in Vegas, but uh, you know, to, to be a Florida Gator and coach this program is, uh, like I said, a dream come true. 
I love it. So you called the University of Florida your dream job, and you you took over for a guy that had been at the university and Buddy Alexander for a long, long time. What was it like um, coming in after him, and and then what have your your first, I guess, just about six years been like uh, in Gainesville? Yeah. Well, I I think it's always it's always difficult to replace a legend. Um, you know, Buddy won a couple national championships and a bunch of SECs, and and had just a a wave of, of phenomenal players. So it's always, I guess, a little intimidating to, uh, to follow that, but, uh, I just tried to, you know, kind of stay true to myself and, and, uh, do my own thing and, and, um, you know, find the guys that, that are a good fit for us and, and really just find the most talent we can. And, uh, we've had, had some great individual, uh, championships up to, up to this point in the six years, we've had a couple SEC champions and a bunch of first team all Americans and, now it's time uh, we put it together as, as an entire team and, and win something on, uh, on a bigger level. Hey, it's Ahmad. So, you know, coming from Vegas, coming to Gainesville, um, talk to us about what's the biggest difference, uh, you know, playing golf here in Gainesville um, towards playing in, in Vegas. Ahmad, that's a, a good question. I think uh, probably the biggest difference was, was bringing my wife here. She, uh, she's, she was, been in a big city pretty much her entire life and um, moving from Las Vegas, you know, with all the, the glitz and the glamour to, uh, to Gainesville, it's a pretty, pretty wholesome town and, and quiet. It actually, it's been perfect. It's, it's just such a special place. And we've had, uh, had two girls since we've, we've moved here. But I think when, when she first got here and we didn't have any kids, it was a bit of an eye opener, like, holy smokes. Um, yeah, you know, there's no, right. no casinos and restaurants to go out to and stuff, <laughs> but, uh, um, that we're, we're really lucky here. You know, we have the one thing we didn't have in Las Vegas was our own golf course and, um, having our own, own track, right. You know, right beside campus on campus really. And, uh, our guys having that kind of convenient access and not having to, to fight, uh, other members or, or fight traffic and stuff like that's made it, made it really easy for our guys to work as hard as they want. Okay, so for a, a person who doesn't know, right? Because let me tell you, I'm not the best golfer. Um, <laughs> but a person who, who doesn't know much too much about golf, talk about how the recruitment works and how how does that uh, you know differ from any other sports? Well, I think the I, I guess one of the biggest differences for us is is golf's just obviously an outdoor sport, and uh, our weather is just ideal for that. So. Um, I think when, when the university of Florida calls a, calls a young man and, uh, wants them to come play here, you definitely get their attention. So we've, uh, it's, it's actually, I guess, um, you know, without sounding, um, arrogant or cocky, I think it's been pretty, pretty easy to recruit here. It's just, it's, it's such a great school with, yeah. with such great academics and, and the athletic programs speak for themselves. And, you know, we do have this, this great golf course right on campus and perfect weather, um, you know, why, why would you not want to come here? And that's kind of, kind of been what we've seen. So we've uh, just got to make sure we, we keep getting the right guys. I think we've got a heck of a team coming up for, uh, for 2020. So our, all of our fingers are crossed to, uh, to make sure we hopefully play. 
So, so coach, I got, a, I guess I got a couple questions, you know, obviously, you know, players can, or golfers, you know, can go straight to the PGA or, or can go to any variety of, of different, like, they have to earn their PGA card to get that, but for any variety of professional uh, associations or, or leagues at a high school, how do you convince them uh, to come to college? And then I guess, what is your, I guess, your recruiting tactic to most of them for most of them are you more of a hands-on coach to them are you more of a sports psychologist are you working with their personal coaches probably some helicopter parents what what's that like and what are those conversations like no it's it's a really good question we've um i you know i i wouldn't change change anything we've done um but i think it it has hurt us um, in the last few years with guys turning pro, um, you know, you look at Sam Horsefields, who was, uh, the Phil Mickelson award winner for, for being the national freshman of the year back in 2016. Um, you know, he only stayed for two years and, uh, you know, he, he did some great things while he was here. He was a first team all American, but, but losing him after two years, it, it's so hard to replace. And then, uh, uh, a year later, Andy Zhang came in and he he won an SEC championship and was an All American and um, he left after two years. So um, the the professional carrot is is a big thing in golf. Um, you know, before COVID and and all this uh, kind of worldwide shutdown, um, there was a lot of money in in turning pro and in that side of the business. So it's it's hard for me as a coach when you know these these guys they've been practicing and playing their whole life to get opportunities um, to play for money and, and earn that type of money that these guys were being offered. It's hard to, to say no. I, you know, I don't think um, that's me looking out for their best interest. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it, it's hurt us losing those guys early. So it's, it's kind of a fine line. I think, you know, we've got to probably do a better job going forward of, of finding guys who, who really value um, a top 10 public university and value the degree and, uh, make sure we get guys that, you know, are, are planning on staying here for four years. And if, you know, if, if things happen and they, they rise to the top of the world, we have, uh, you know, Ricky Castillo right now on our team, who's a, a freshman this year, national freshman of the year again, and um, mm-hmm. he's ranked second in the world. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. got agents and, and club companies and, and a lot of people after him. So it's, uh, it's tough, but uh, uh, at the same time, I think, you know, a lot of parents and a lot of kids do do see the value in staying four years and having uh, Coach Knight always said it. You know, having that degree in your back pocket's a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice backup plan. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, how often? And I'm curious. I'm a a very, very, very average golfer. Um, but uh, growing up in in South Florida, a lot of golf courses. Grew up around a lot of people that that played golf, and and I remember their parents. Um, does that change in college? Their parents kind of being around, and you know, do you get do you ever get some flack for some uh, for some personal coaches or, or parents about about your coaching or your technique or or things that you're changing or or do they well, do they trust you? First, what part of Florida did you grow up in? I'm sorry. What part? What part of Florida did you grow up in? Uh, South Florida, like Coral Springs, Fort Lauderdale area. Oh yeah, there's there's tons of great golf down there. I think uh, Jupiter's become like the the mecca of the professional golf world. They're all they're oh, yeah. all, they all seem to be living down there. But uh, no, I think when it comes to parents, um, every situation is going to be different. Um, you know, have have we had? I guess some bad experiences and, and seeing some bad stuff. Ab- absolutely. But, uh, I think the, the positives outweigh, um, the negatives there's, there's been some incredible relation relationships developed and, um, we've got some, some really awesome dads that have been so supportive and, and, uh, 
in a great part of the program. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in just, just kind of refining these guys. It's, it's my job to go out there and, and find the super talents that don't need a lot of swing work or a lot of changes. They just, just need a little bit of polish. And I always think of it as, you know, they're kind of 95% ready when they get here. And it's my job to, to teach them the, the intricacies and kind of the last 5% of what they need to be a professional golfer. And um, so I, I, I think the guys that, that we're after are definitely, they're ready to, to be professionals or at least pretty close um, when they get here and physically and, and kind of, you know, the way they swing the club and, and it's our, uh, our job to just kind of put them over the top. So talk about uh, a, a normal day, uh, you know, say for practice. How often do you guys practice and how long are the practices? So it depends, but uh, I guess when we're in season, uh, we try and work out three days a week. So we'll have the guys up at 6.30 a.m. Uh, we're in there with Preston Green and Patrick Lewis. They do a, do a great job. Um, you know, a great story of that. Ricky, Ricky Castillo, our, our freshman of the year this year, he came in at 129 pounds. He was, he was as skinny as you could find and uh, uh-huh. they put 31, 31 pounds on him this year. And, um, it's amazing to see the transformation. He's, he's gained 10 miles an hour of ball speed and he's hitting it forever, tearing it, you know, over 300 yards now. So, um, that, that usually starts our day. And then, uh, we try and get the guys to go to class from kind of 830 to 1230 in that window. Um, they grab lunch and then that's, that's the, the best part of the university of Florida all year round. As soon as they're done lunch, they're out here from like one o'clock till dark every day, just doing their thing. And, um, we have, you know, 20 hours a week that we're allowed to work with them, but these guys all have, you know, pro dreams and pro aspirations of playing at the highest level. So they're, uh, they're out here and we don't have to bug them to work. They're, they're, they're using this place um, nonstop. It's, it's actually pretty cool to watch. Right. So uh, do you guys have like, you know, because I, obviously I don't, I don't know. Do you guys have like a facility or whatnot? I would take it or, you know, yeah, so okay. right, right. Just down from the indoor football practice facility, oh, second, we just right? go down, go down second Avenue West. Okay. Yeah. Our golf course is right there. Is on yeah, beautiful, uh, okay, beautiful okay. piece of property. It's it's kind of hidden back there, but if you ever get a chance, you got to come out here and uh, and take a walk. If if you if you ever get the time, I'll, I'd be happy to uh, to show you guys around. But uh, um, yeah, we have our own own end of the driving range where uh, we've got four practice greens and all the wedge areas and chipping areas and putting greens, and um, we got uh, two hitting bays indoor. If it happens to be raining or when it gets super hot, we can turn on the air conditioning for the guys. So um, we have absolutely everything that uh, that these guys need. We have, you know, two track men that um, the guys can practice with and and develop on. So we all the facilities are taken care of. It's just uh, a matter of us going out and, and using them the right way and and working hard enough. That's so cool. Well, I suck at golf, but I, I'll definitely come out and uh, get a tour, get a tour of the facility. Maybe I can score some uh, some some lessons or something. But I don't some know. Free, some free coaching. Uh, anytime. Yeah. Well, I know, I know, I know you're an athlete, so we could probably turn you into a pretty good golfer pretty fast. I, I don't know. We're that's pretty it. bad. I that's what he said about you, Amad. He's not, he's not going to say that about me. <laughs> <laughs> JC, obviously, golf is a is a very big uh, psychological. Uh, 
game, I mean, like most sports, but, but golf, it, it seems like in particular, um, how do you prepare these guys uh, mentally? And then what was it like? Because you guys were in the what middle to close to end of year season when, when the COVID-19 stuff happened. Uh, how do you mentally prepare uh, those guys for that? Um, and, and then, but I guess what's your overall like sports psychology, you know, things that yeah. you guys go through? It is. Golf, golf is. I mean, I I know everyone says it. It's it's like ninety percent mental and ten percent physical. It really is. And and confidence and your belief and um is is just so so important to to playing successful tournament golf. So we spend I I spend a majority of my time you know doing that and building these guys up and teaching them how to practice and how to prepare so that they can be confident. And it's not just them telling themselves that it's, it's actually truth. And, um, we, we spend a lot of time, I know it's probably cliche, but we spend a lot of time focusing on the things we can control. Um, golf kind of pushes you, uh, around a lot. It's going to, it's going to make you really frustrated. I'm sure you guys both know playing here and there. It's, it's a super frustrating game. And I think, the more our guys can spend time focusing on the things that they control and not past shots or past results and just worrying about the next shot. Um, it's, it's so, so vital. So we spend a ton of time on that. And I think, um, this year our, our guys really caught on and, uh, we were absolutely one of the top five teams in the country, um, this spring. Uh, we won once we came second at TPC Sawgrass, um, in early February. And then we finished fifth to end the year at uh, Southern Highlands out in Las Vegas. And uh, that was against all the best teams there are. And uh, our guys were, were, we had really found something. So it was, I know it was a crushing blow um, for our team to, to stop and, and not be able to finish this through and, and see what we could accomplish in the postseason. Cause I, you know, I really, I think we were onto something big and um, you know, we, like I said, we had the, I, I believe Ricky's the best player in the world, right? Best amateur in the world right now. And, mm-hmm. and John Axelson, who was our other first team All-American, he was right behind him. So it was it was really exciting what we were doing. But, uh, you know, that stuff happens. And I think there's there's a lot of golfers and a lot of sports teams that had some some great seasons kind of knocked off um, at a tough time. So it's, it's you know, just telling our guys now, it's, it's you know, not about getting knocked down. It's, it's about how you respond and um, just, just challenging them to, to respond to the championship level. So, and golf was one of the things that stayed open in a lot of areas, you know, during even the COVID-19 stuff and a lot of it, um, you know, allowed them to continue to play. What, what is that like? What has your team been up to for the last, you know, we'll just say three months or so? Yeah, that I think, I actually think it's going to, this, this pandemic is going to be a good thing for golf, which is weird to say, but it's been one of the things that has been open and has allowed people to get outside and, um, get some fresh air and, and do something that uh, maybe maybe they hadn't been doing very often. So, um, like, our golf course has just been packed every single day. Um, you know, the, the course is just filled with, with people trying to get out there and play and, and compete again. So it's, that's really nice to see, and we're all hoping that, uh, that the game keeps growing because, um, you know, Tiger Woods has is, is really been the one that, that moves the needle for, for us golf golfers and um people who love the game and you know he's he's not getting any younger so we we can't uh hold on to tiger forever to to keep pushing the game it, it's got to grow and i think uh you know people just seeing how how active you can be and and how nice it is to be outside when you're locked up maybe uh maybe they won't take golf for for granted for uh for the long haul but uh with our guys um it, w- it was really difficult because 
um, they all had to go home, you know, campus, campus got closed down and, and, uh, we couldn't keep any of them here. So we had, you know, one go back to France and one go back to Denmark and we got a player from Brazil. And so everyone's going all these different directions and it's, it's really been, been kind of hard to, you know, to monitor, monitor them on a daily basis. So I think a lot of it's trust and hoping that you've instilled some, some good habits into them and, um, a lot of them, like I said earlier, are so self-motivated that, you know, we don't have to worry too much because, uh, you know, they have these, these huge dreams that they all know take, take a ton of work to achieve. So it's been, uh, been a challenging time, I think, for all of us to, to remain a team and, and uh, keep supporting each other. But, I, you know, our guys have done a good job, and I'm, uh, I'm just so excited for our team coming up in, in the fall of 2020. So I'm, I'm hoping all goes well and, and uh, we get to see it through. I love it. So, uh, Coach, uh, you know, I've, I was reading a, a bit before a couple of weeks ago when we were when we were originally scheduling this about about some of what you've been up to, you know, kind of off the. Uh, I'm not going to say off the course because it's actually on the course, but I guess outside of Gainesville. Um, how often are you able to get out there? I mean, obviously, you know, you uh, you got to play, uh, you earn your uh, PGA Tour debut at last year. Um, playing the RBC Canadian open. You've been, you've been playing, you know, quite a bit. Uh, how are you able to, to balance kind of your, your personal, you know, I guess goals and in, in terms of things that you want to do. And I know that you, you constantly win the Florida open and other big tournaments around the, <laughs> around the state, but uh, what's it, how often do you get out there and is it, is it challenging to, to be a coach, uh, but then also try to focus on, on your own game and, and try to take that, I guess, kind of the mental, you know, approach of being a coach out of it and just get out there and play every once in a while. Yeah, um, it's been uh, it has been a challenge. Um, you know, I think I, I don't get to practice or play very often when we're in season. Um, but I think that's a good thing. Like I've I've just learned that getting away from it and clearing your mind and and watching a lot. You know, I have the the great benefit of of watching these superstars that are on our team on a daily basis, and I, I learn so much. You know, what what do they do well? What what hurts them? What mistakes do they make? And um, you know, you get this great you know, wealth of knowledge just, just through watching these guys compete on, on pretty much a daily basis. So that's, that's really helped me more than anything is just kind of learn how to score and, and how to play the proper, proper game and, and, uh, without, you know, really practicing and stuff. But, uh, since this pandemic's hit, um, we haven't been able to, you know, there's that NCAA recruiting lock, so yeah. we haven't been able to leave. And, uh, I've had more time in the last three months to play golf than I, I can, you know, since I turned turned professional back when I was yeah. 23. So I've been. Don't, don't you go leaving us, coach? <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> my, my, I don't think my wife loves it because uh, I've been been leaving her with our uh, our two girls a lot. But uh, you know, it's been it's been great to get back out there, and I've I've really been enjoying kind of grinding on my game and and trying to trying to get better. And and uh, I've talked a lot with. Uh, our assistant coach Mark Leon and and I think I'm gonna I'm gonna make it a point of emphasis to uh, to play with the guys more this year. You know I think uh, I got I got my game to a competitive level where I can keep up with them and um, it's just it's so great to go out there and be able to spend two or three hours uh, on the course with them. You you know not only do you get to watch their tendencies and what they're doing in their golf game, you, you get to to build that relationship and that trust. And I think, uh, I got to get back to that. I did it, did a really good job of that at UNLV and, and spending a lot of time with the guys in the golf course. And, um, you know, you, you get that head coaching chair and you think so many other things 
have to be done. It kind of takes you, takes you away from, from who you are and, and how you got here. And, uh, so I, that's kind of my plan this year is to get back to that. And it's been nice, uh, to get my game to a level where I feel like I can kind of give the guys a run for their money. That's awesome. And, and coach, how often, uh, you know, in, in football and basketball and baseball, we hear about a lot of former players coming back. How often do, you know, former Gators, your Chris DeMarco's, your Billy Ho's, your Mark Kakovecki, how often do they come back to, to Gainesville? Um, or how do you leverage some of those relationships with some of the, the best golfers that have ever lived? Yeah, it's such a great question. And uh, funny you ask that right now. We had uh, a whole team Zoom call with our entire team today at uh, at one o'clock with with Chris DeMarco, and he came on. And um, I don't, you know, you guys remember that amazing chip that the Tiger Woods hold on the 16th hole at Augusta National at the Masters, where it rolled. You know, you saw the Nike sign, and it rolled over on the last roll. Well, mm-hmm. he was playing with Chris DeMarco that day, and uh, so Chris, okay. yeah, Chris, Chris came on the Zoom call and kind of told the guys about his experience that day and, and what it was like and how he responded to that obviously historical moment. And it was, it was really fascinating and amazing. And, you know, like you said, we've, we've got some of the best players in the world at our disposal. And I always hate naming names because uh, I, I leave people out, but uh, you know, Steve Melnick and Andy Bean and Gary Coke, um, Dudley Hart is, uh, you know, a former Gator legend. Um, he's our volunteer assistant coach and, these guys want to give so much back to us and to the program. And they've just been amazing. I've been so, so lucky to, to have their support and generosity. And, um, you know, you guys know what it's all about being a, being a Gator is really, really special. And, uh, Chris, Chris DeMarco did a great job with kind of explaining that to our guys on the phone today. And, um, you know, I think they're going to have a, a little bit more of an appreciation of, of what they have here. And, just to, you know, he was, he was almost getting emotional on the zoom call talking about his days and, and what it meant for him to be a Florida Gator. And, um, we are lucky to, you know, to have the great pass that we do and, and coach Buster Bishop and, and buddy Alexander did, did such a great job, um, recruiting and getting, getting some of the best players in here. And, um, I sure as heck want to continue that. I love it. Well, coach, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you this, uh, this evening and, and hearing your story. And I guess I just have one final question. What was it like to go to college in Las Vegas? <laughs> uh, well, I made, I made a deal with my mom. She said, if, if I'm going to let you go to school in Las Vegas, you're sure as heck going to get me a degree. So <laughs> I had to, I had to get my degree. So I, I probably studied a little, a little more than most. And I was very focused on my professional career, but, uh, I've had a lot of fun and it's, uh, that video give give you everything you want. I promise you that. I love it. I love it. Well, JC, it's an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I'll definitely give you a call uh, the next time I'm uh, 175 yards out. And you need a club suggestion, or the next time I'm in Gainesville. <laughs> but it's it's been a uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And, and go Gators, and we'll talk to you soon. You guys are the best, and you're you're always welcome out here. And, and go Gators is right. And uh, thank you, thank you both for everything you guys do. I appreciate. We'll talk it. to you soon. Okay. Cheers, guys. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Casey Deacon, great content. No, it, it may sound funny, but like those were some real questions because yeah, you know it, it's one of the sports that you know uh, doesn't get you know a lot of recognition at UF, but but you know year in and year out is putting up great numbers. So I, I'm gonna keep it a buck here and said I had no idea the team was ranked in the top five last year. I knew that they were good and <laughs> I knew that they were on a good trajectory, but I had no idea they're top five. I like that guy. I think the, I think he's gonna yeah. lose to a national title. I, you know, I like his mindset and whatnot, and you know, 
um, it, it you know it seems like a common you know common denominator you know um, with with uh, Scott Strickland um, and he, he likes to get um, coaches in here that that kind of have some of the same similarities you know family guys you know, love to be around their players um, you know love love the, the Gator brand you know and what it stands for so. Yeah, you know, he's got an interesting story, you know, reading about it, you know, played uh, professionally for, you know, a number of years, right, five, six years after graduating college, uh, and then was an assistant coach. And to be an assistant coach at a program like UNLV, which is a good program, you know, certainly not lighting the world on fire all the time, uh, but to be given an opportunity and six years later, you know, producing, you know, not only great recruiting classes, but but top five, um, you know, top five program is really something to um you know, to, to recognize him for. And as you know, Ahmad, following a legend is tough, right? You know, following Buddy Alexander, who was, you know, widely considered one of the best, you know, golf coaches, you know, college golf coaches of all time, you know, multiple national championships and trying to follow in, in that footsteps as a 30-year-old or 31-year-old when he got hired or, or whatever it was, not much older than that, is definitely a, a challenge. And, you know, I give him props. He's, uh, he's done quite well. Definitely, definitely. You know, just imagine going into a um, you know, a facility or a locker room at, at, you know, age of 31 years old when guys are, you know, you know, maybe 10 years younger, if that, yeah. you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to, you know, put your foot down and saying, Hey, you know, I know the coach bought you multiple championships before me, but, but listen to me and this is how we're going to do it. You know, it got, it takes a, a special kind of guy to do something like that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That was a good interview. Let's get into another good interview. Uh, this interview of Brooks Mecklor. Sports by Brooks is brought to us by our friends over at Roof Soldier. Uh, Roof Soldier, a veteran-owned company that's going to specialize in everything uh, related to residential or commercial roof replacement and repair. So if you want a free roof inspection, they're going to provide you a free digital photo report with all the necessary uh, information to determine the best course of action when considering a repair or replacement of your shingle, tile, metal, or flat roof. Give them a call. Our friends over at Roof Soldier, one eight seven seven roofs fl Again, one eight seven seven roofs fl or visit their website at RoofSoldier.com. Again, the first 10 callers that contact Roof Soldier uh, for a free inspection and mention Stadium and Gale are going to receive $200 off their roof replacement once you enter into a contract. So any damage, uh, hurricane season is here. Any damage to your uh, roof or if you want to look to make sure that you don't have any damage, give our friends over at Roof Soldier a call. Again, one eight seven seven roofs fl Let's get Brooks on the horn. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. And joining us for the second time on Stadium and Gale is one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on. Just a wealth of knowledge is Brooks Mechalor. Brooks, how are you doing this evening? Great. Good. <laughs> we were talking great, before. I'm excited talking. for you guys. That I'm a I'm a Georgia guy, but I'm I'm really excited that my guy. Darren Heitner, who is a freaking yep. stud, got that law pushed through in Florida. And even though I'm a Georgia football guy, I, I am really pumped to see what Danny Mullen, who not the greatest recruiter in the world, but this is such a great opportunity for Florida. A window here open for you guys just kicks some ass because it's all about fairness and, and getting the players what they deserve. And so you guys have a first crack at it. And if it means you get a lot of great players and build on it and your players get taken care of, that's freaking awesome. So I'm really rooting for you guys on that. Brooks, we talked about it earlier in the show, but ultimately we weren't really the authorities on it. And you've done a lot more research or a lot more knowledgeable on it. How does this law 
uh, affect what the NCAA's power is? How does this combat what the NCAA can control um, over their member institutions compared to, you know, what the state of Florida now allows with their, you know, university system? Man, you know what, guys? I have no idea what the NCAA is doing because all I know is the last 10 years, I haven't seen one star player be ruled ineligible. I haven't seen any of the big school, right? Am I right? Am I missing something? I mean, not not that I can think so, of. Right. So, so if, and what it is, is it's the people that are, it's the school presidents and the athletic directors and everybody, they're all in it together. It's just a money-making machine. Now think about this guys. When you think about, when you just ask a big time college football fan, a huge fan of college football, who runs college football? Who runs it? No one has any idea. And that's the whole scam, brother. Because if you're going to steal money from players the way they do it, right, you got to have a shadow organization. There's no head on the snake. So you have all these people, these athletic directors, you know, who are meeting, but we're really not sure who's, is it uh, the guy who's the Big 12 commissioner or is that dummy Bill Hancock? Who's actually running college football? As sure is it Emmer. But of course, nobody even realizes that. Right. So the whole thing is a freaking scam. It is a scam. Do and, you? But here's do the you, thing. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, do you well, think you, that because the state of Florida now allows that California is soon after a bunch of other states are looking at it? Do you think those states that aren't looking at it are going to look at Florida and all of a sudden kind of coalesce and you maybe create some sort of authority to try to limit, you know, what the state of Florida and then see what the state of California might try to do from an NCAA perspective? Or Here's what I think is going to happen. Or this is what should happen. And, and I'm not putting any pressure on Florida because you guys got other schools in the state that are going to they're going to benefit from this and hopefully take advantage of it. But if Florida can come out of the gate, Florida State, Miami, whoever is going to benefit from this, and they can really kick some ass, get some great endorsements for their athletes, and most importantly, it really shows up in recruiting, and you guys do it as quickly as possible, and you get testimonials out there with these great endorsement deals just for the guys in the, in the state of Florida with big-time programs. What's going to happen is the Alabama legislature is going to not walk, not jog, sprint to the legislature right. building and pass a law that's going to allow Nick Saban, uh, it's going to allow Auburn, you know, uh, to, to do what you guys are, to catch up. Mm-hmm. And so right. that's what we want. What we don't want, what we don't want, is see here's the reason we're in this situation the reason that we've never had this is when the federal government has looked into it and said wow this is really unfair you guys are screwing everybody over all the players they don't even have health care what ends up happening is the ncaa cut you know all the schools get together and they cut a check and pay off politicians and that literally is what's happened over the last 40 years so what ended up happening was California passed this NIL law initially, but there's not mm. a lot of teeth to it, right? It's kind right. of a PR thing for, for Gavin Newsom, right? But here's the deal. When this thing was going on in the California Assembly, that, that uh, governing body, the legislature in California, that's already, they were already bought off. The mm-hmm. unions have already bought them off. So the NTA can't go in the way they did in D.C. and buy them off. 
So, but here's the here's the key to the whole situation is that Heitner and Chip Lamarca mm-hmm. stepped up to the plate on their own, and so they used that amazing precedent, the credibility of Cal, even though it's a joke, mm-hmm. their their version of the law. You guys really did it right, and they created something that was real. And this is actually how I mean I'm going to say a shock that it went through. But what the NCAA is going to try to do is they're going to try to get. So one of these congressmen, like the guy from uh, North Carolina, whatever, whatever it is, they're going to try to ram their own legislation through. Mm-hmm. It's all hocus pocus, and it's all designed to knife the athlete in the back. And here's the key. The key is, and, and the way things just played out, remember I told you about California. There's been so many cases where you think something, oh, something might happen, and now the athlete might get something, but it never happens. So I think that the California thing wasn't going to go into, it doesn't go into effect until 23, even when it does, it doesn't really matter. But I don't think that the media really took this serious and I don't think they still take it seriously. Right. Because the media is on the NCAA side. The reason it's just like the color line in baseball and the NFL and why Kaepernick has gotten blackballed. There's one reason and one reason only just like uh, college athletes, the media, they're, they're allowing it to happen. They're in bed with the people that they cover. They make their money off of that. And so, you know, it's immoral. And, I mean, Kaepernick, we talked about this off the air, guys. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are so many media people who just will not talk about him, right, mm-hmm. when it's so obvious he belongs on a team as a backup, whatever it is. So you have media people that are saying, He's not even good enough to be on a roster, which is a lie. They know it's a lie. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Think about those two things. Ignoring Kaepernick, you won't talk about him, or you lie about him, right? And then you say, this is a business anyway, and he's bad for business. <laughs> it's not a business. It's not a business. It's one. It's a monopoly. Yeah. And this NFL is the result of a merger of two leagues, two competitive leagues, were uh, in a situation where players back in the 60s were able to negotiate against the other league, right? So the players had leverage. They were doing well. That's why they merged. And the government gave them an antitrust exemption because the NFL bought off congressmen and senators. So now it's a monopoly. So now uh, when you talk about Kaepernick's situation, it's not a business. He can't go and work somewhere else. There's only one place. It's just like college football. That's why when you talk about exploitation of a situation that's uh, um, primarily black Americans, they're the ones disproportionately affected. I mean, how is how many fucking, pardon me, but how many businesses where if you and I, we have a skill worth millions of dollars to, you know, an industry, but the industry only has like one company. You can only ply your trades one place. Oh, and it just so happens that's where all the talented black people are. What a coincidence, <laughs> right? So um, that's why, here's the thing. That's why when I say that and it is, it's self-evident, that college football and basketball is a vestige of slavery. Mm-hmm. It is. You, every single person who, and this is me 10 years ago before I knew this stuff, Every single white person who hears that, 99.9% of the time, right, the white person 
not only do they disagree, they can't even conceive that that's a possibility. But same percentage of white people right now, 99.9%, they're mystified about the protests. I don't understand. What's wrong? You know, we're hurting. These are white people, you know. We need to heal. Right, no, you don't need to heal. You need to do something, right? You need to make sure that black people get the loans that they deserve, that they've earned. You mean make sure that we don't have Jim Crow neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, you know that, that cliche woman, Karen, the meme on uh, online, mm-hmm. that is the white lady who sticks her nose and everything. The one version of that Karen woman, this is just me talking, is the woman who uh, screams at it. And I don't do, I don't support Trump, but screams at Trump and his supporters because he's so racist. The same Karen woman who does that goes to the PTA meetings and figures out a way to redraw the school district line so her little white Johnny doesn't have to go to school with black people. That's America in 2020, and that's why those protests exist. Jeez. Um, I'm going to bring us back just that. a little bit. No, you're good. No, this is this. I, I want I want you to have a, a voice to to share uh, and a platform to share. Um, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. Um, just to get back on the name image likeness stuff. Do, what what teeth or what is the, the bill that Florida did pass? I know it was, you know, a bill that leaves a, a lot still open to interpretation of of what they're allowed. But but what what can we expect July 1st of 2020? 21 in the state of Florida for, for college students now. I'm just telling you right now, guys, it is up to, if they listen to this show or you guys know people down there, for this thing to really fly, it has to be the athletes. Unfortunately, okay. we are in a spot where, and this is really, when you think about the word paternalism, paternalism is what uh, is referred to as the type of racism that was perpetrated on African-Americans, primarily in the South, you know, the, the uh, nice guy in the 1950s and 60s that says, oh, the Negroes are happy here. Or we just, just keep them out of trouble and everything's fine. And they're like paternal figures, right? That's what happens in college football. And because of that situation, I mean, Dabo Sweeney, I think, is the greatest example, who, by the way, as an aside, they just uh, decided they're going to finally take down you know, the domestic terrorists that have been on the, the names yeah. on the buildings. In John Clemson. C. Calhoun. And, it was only, yeah. and, and last year, the president of Clemson, who's still there, uh, fought tooth and nail to make sure they didn't take them down. And the only reason they're taking them down is the courage of the players on the Clemson football team and, of course, Deshaun Watson. But what about the guy with the Bible in his hand? Where's, where's Donald Sweeney? The great white yeah. father. What happened, Dabo? He's nowhere. So, right. you know, that's an aside. But so the reason I'm bringing all this up is, you know, and, and I have lived this myself when I was at the University of Georgia and playing sports, you name it. You have this paternalist sort of atmosphere. And so the athletes become very dependent and you can't blame them, you know, of course. And that's deliberate. But what in this case We've got to turn the tables. And what's difficult is, of course, you're not going to be able to get an agent. You've got to kind of do this yourself, right? But um, I, I, I actually have to correct myself. You, can, you are going to get an agent. That's what you can do here. But, you know, here's what I would suggest. If I was, um, you know, a Florida person 
who had contacts with players, players really need to understand that, man, they've got to get off their butt now. They have a great mm-hmm. chance to make a lot of money. And not only that, it's really important for the school. It's going to help the school immeasurably in recruiting. That's really what this is all about, ultimately. So the players have to start looking at agents. That's what we're talking about themselves, okay. right? Mm. The people that are at UF. We're not talking about recruits. We're talking about mm-hmm. the current star players at UF who are playing football and basketball. The bottom line is taking like 14 minutes for me to answer this question, but the players <laughs> and the stars on your teams, they have to take the bull by the horns and find the best agent. That's why I think what you do, and I, I mean, I mentioned this to Darren, you should be calling guys like Darren Heitner and picking his brain. Just, just calling as many people who are experts on the business and try to get that agent and try to get the deal that, that you have coming to you. And, and I think that uh, I really think you're in a situation where you guys are really going to set the agenda, push the envelope. And, um, and in a sense, it's like, if you think about it, it, it is a little bit wild westy and, and you guys are pioneers. These players they may, able to, they may be able to achieve things that are going to open up further opportunities for the athletes to come. So, so the bottom line is the guys who are there who are stars, who have that value for endorsements, they personally, guys, have to go out and find an agent and find a way to make it happen. And unfortunately, they're in a life that makes it difficult. Not everybody, if you have a great uh, support system and family and whatever it is, but So, and I hope that, I really hope that Dan Mullen is all in on this because you would think he would be, because if you can get big endorsement deals for your players, right, on the team right now, tell me that's not going to be huge in recruiting. And the bottom line is, in college football, the only thing that matters is recruiting, right? Right. At the end Mm -hmm. of the day, that's where all that money goes. When you raise all that money or the revenue, it's like Georgia, we're going to spend $20 million on this like lounge or something just for parents. It's for recruiting, you know? We're going to get all these new NFL helmets. So go ahead. Brooks, what kind of money do you think we're we're looking at here? I mean, what do you think the college athlete goes for? Um, Are we looking at more the social media that they're going to get, you know, money for is it appearances what what do you what do great you point. expect That's a great in- point i mean think about zion guys what he would have made i mean how many times listen oh and this makes me sick now knowing what we know and why i really get excited for you guys and what's what's out there i would say if i were counseling these guys absolutely make no assumptions don't limit yourself. And if anyone is telling you that you have to place a limit, no, you don't. There aren't any limits, by, by the way. Ask Darren about it. There's no limits to what these guys can make right now. So the other thing you just brought up that I didn't think of was, because we're talking about everything going through an agent, but what about Instagram? You know, what about YouTube, but really Instagram, where, you know, Zion Williamson had the money right there as it was. You know, he didn't need, a, he didn't need an agent. He built that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's another example. I'm a dummy. I don't even know what these yeah. guys can do. I'm not the guy well, to talk. You know, because, so I'm just shoot my mouth off. 
you know, I think of a lot of these prospects and obviously you can use Zion Williamson and, and you know, there's a, there's a whole plethora of, of big name athletes that you can, you can name to, but then, you know, I look at the soccer player at FSU that has a couple hundred thousand, you know, followers or the, the kicker from right, right. Uh, UCF a few years ago that had a YouTube channel, right. And all of these different people. And I wonder, you know, how much that's worth. And a lot of that is organic, right. And a lot of that starts as a, as a recruit, right. And, I don't know how much you see it, but, you know, we see it here when, you know, a, a player's looking for followers and, hey, if, you know, you get me to 10,000 followers or I announce who my final five is or whatever it might be. And now these kids are going right. to college with 15, 20, 30, 50,000 followers, you know, sometimes even more. And, and what's the value, you know, of that, um, you know, and, and then how does well, an, an advertising agency leverage, you know, a player who's never played before uh, to, to try to get clicks? It's, it's a fascinating. Listen, uh, the fact that. I'm having an orgasm just hearing you say these things about college athletes. Oh, it's, very it's good. It's so overdue. <laughs> it's a, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. That's a really great view, visual, isn't it? Yeah. But, but just to hear you say that. Now, but here's the other thing, though. And this is, I'm just telling you, it's coming. And it's going to be coming from everyone, even people who don't even know that they're doing it. Like, we're talking about the, the uh, and, and what you're saying right there, you know, there is no answer to the question. But those are the things that should be happening. And you know what? If, you know, the tennis player who at FSU who's already got a rich family and because she's getting the scholarship that the football players actually are the ones providing and she can drive a better BMW because of that, you know, which is BS. But if she can still, because she's hot, go make, you know, 100 grand, great. That's wonderful. And that's what you say when you have a Title IX person or you have somebody complaining you know, I, I, I think we, I'm going to bring this up. I mean, obviously you want as much fairness as possible, but Jesus H, give me a break. You've got yeah. these African-Americans who put white guys, you know, playing football there and they have no guaranteed health care. Right. And they're getting all this money stolen from them and they're going to have CTE. It's a life endangering sport. And we're worried about the water polo team. Sue me already. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but I think I think what you may be doing is you may be spawning. Uh, we probably are a whole new class of young people who are, you know, natural marketers or that could end up opening up a whole new industry for kids. But I think what, what we got to make sure are, you know, us in the room here right now is don't allow people to block that. Right. And don't allow people to set up artificial garbage. And, and it starts with the idea that the student athlete amateurism is legitimate. That's their whole basis for everything. It's a lie. So they're liars. You go out as an athlete and, and you're, you were right from the outset. There still mm -hmm. isn't any hard, fast rules. Unfortunately, that, that's going to be a problem, guys, I think, in the future, because depending on what happens, you're going to see the NCAA try to step in and limit things, but uh, they have no they have no authority. I, if I'm Dan Mullen right now, yeah. I am freaking loaded for bear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Brooks, I guess this is this is my final question. Do you think that we see, you know, what, what kind of. Um, Pushback and not pushback necessarily. What kind of fight do you think the NCAA pulls up? Do you think that this gets appealed uh, to a potentially higher court, to the appeals court? Do you think it ever makes it up to the Supreme Court? Or do you think that this is a world that the NCAA just has to learn to accept and um, try to figure out how to best modify and live their world that way? 
You know, that's a great question. And I think it speaks to what I said before about yeah. how this is a shadow. This is a, guys, this is a shadow organization in football. We have no idea. You know, this is really much more of a question about the fundamentals of the industry. We have college football. It makes more money than everything except the NFL. It makes more money than baseball. College football makes more than the NBA. And we don't know who runs it. Mark Emmert is supposedly the guy who's you know, overseeing the rules. Well, the NCAA guys, that's an empty storefront that college football attaches itself to to make it look like what they're doing is legitimate because they're saying this is all about academics and it's all about the rules. Of course, it isn't. That's why they keep the NCAA hanging out. That's why they're still there. Meantime, we don't know who's running it. We don't know who's running football. So all the, and the other thing is, guys, when was the last time there were any big rules violations? Never! <laughs> you know? So um, that's why I think when you look at – if I'm Dan Mullen right now in Florida, I keep I talking about you guys. I'm talking mm-hmm. to you guys. But yeah. if you look at Norvell and you look at Manny, Jesus age. I mean, let's – yeah. This is a chance for you guys to really uh, chart new territory, and it's such a great cause. And and honestly, in the end, I think it's going to lead to uh, ultimately compensation for the players in general. I just don't want. I just want to make sure that everybody sticks to the American principle of you know you know maintain a market and do not allow the NCAA which I don't think they will step in, but mm-hmm. don't allow anybody. Uh, the NCAA is not the concern. I think it's Gene Smith. I think it's mm-hmm. the athletic directors and the conference guys um, that are going to be the ones who try to control it and limit it. And so this is going to be a really fascinating, uh, fascinating period. So I'm excited for you guys. I'm, I'm here for it. Well, Brooks, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have, have to pause you there and then we'll have you on in maybe, maybe a couple months. And, and once we get a little bit more clarity, uh, maybe around national signing day and, and all that to kind of see how this is playing yeah. out. But uh, where, where can Absolutely. people follow you? And, and I know that you've got a lot of exciting stuff that that's coming on that you've been teasing on the, uh, the timeline. I know you have a podcast coming up. So where can people uh, follow you on, uh, on social media? So you can follow me and I'm actually going to be doing something about floor. Oh, not right now, but, on Twitter at sports by Brooks. And then I'm going to be doing a podcast. It'll be at sportsbybrooks.com. But I want to tell you one quick story. You got one second for one quick story. Yeah, absolutely. One little, one little anecdote to tell you about uh, Jackie Robinson, because I'm working on a podcast series about Jackie Robinson right now. And Florida kind of jumped in there, believe it or not, university of Florida. So Jackie was this great player, right? Really great player in college football. And, um, and so he has a two year career there, but he does not, finished school. And so it's kind of a big deal. If you watch documentaries, why didn't Jackie go back? You know, he could have, you know, finished up school. He only had another quarter. There's a lot of reasons why he didn't go back. None of which are in the books, the documentaries, like for instance, his own teammates deliberately injured him, white teammates at UCLA causing him to miss two games his senior year. And he skipped his football banquet. So that's never reported, but that's, now I'm telling the story. So, but one of the reasons Jackie didn't ultimately go back to UCLA ever again to do anything, one of the reasons is a little-known story that involved the University of Florida. So after Jackie leaves, right, he was the only black guy on the UCLA team in 1940. So he leaves. In 1941, you see the next year, right, 
UCLA has one black player again, and he's their leading rusher. His name is Clarence McKay. And the reason I'm telling you this story is it's Florida related, but it also relates to what I said earlier about how the media operates. And this is a perfect example of the treatment of blacks and why we have the situation we have. So you have the leading rusher in 1941, year after Jackie's gone. And of course, Jackie is this revelation as a black football player, puts UCLA on the map. He leaves. Now UCLA has a pedestrian season. They go seven and four. And they're going to play their last game against the University of Florida, UCLA. This is 1941 in Jacksonville. Why? I have no idea. It's not a bowl game, but they had scheduled it. So as we lead up to that game, guys, all of a sudden in the newspapers, Clarence McKay, who's the only black player on that team, leading rusher, all of a sudden the newspapers start reporting that some of the UCLA players, well, they might get drafted for the war. So some of them might have to stay home, all right? And all the newspapers in Los Angeles, they're reporting that. And ultimately, UCLA goes out to Jacksonville, and they leave their leading rusher, their best player, a year after Jackie Robinson, you know, the great black player that they recruited from UCLA, is there. The next year, they bench their best black player. He doesn't go to Florida. UCLA goes out to Florida, wins the game. And it's left in the newspapers that, well, Clarence McKay might have been drafted. He wasn't. So you think, wow, that's really unfortunate. But come to find out, a couple of weeks later in another newspaper in Oakland, a columnist writes it up and says, hey, guess what, gang? UCLA signed a contract with Florida that forbid black players from playing in the game. And they made up all that garbage in the Los Angeles newspapers, right? And a week later, the athletic director at UCLA comes clean and he says, yep, we did make it up. And that we did sign this contract that did not allow blacks to play. So as it turns out, there was total deception. And now let's double back to the beginning of the story that I was telling you about. When it comes to Jackie, why did he not finish at UCLA? And everybody is always, they really are actually. People criticizing him for not going back. Well, that was one of the reasons he didn't go back. And nobody really knows about it. That's one of the things that's going to be, you know, in more detail in the podcast along with other stuff. But, but that's really the plight of the black athlete of the 20th century. It's a paradox. It, it's very difficult to decipher. And it all stems from, unfortunately, the dishonesty of a, a media who, until the Civil Rights Act, from the New York Times, the L.A. Times, to the Boise, Idaho newspaper, was all white. Oh, interesting. Jeez. Oh, man. Oh, crazy. Where can, uh, where can people... Well, no, Cut you're that. good. No, yeah, that's a hell of a story. Where can people find that story and more on social media? At Sports well, by Brooks? That's what I was saying. You know, yeah. It's going to be... Uh, it's going to be on... Uh, and, and by the way, I mentioned that with Florida. I just want everybody to know, okay? First of all, my school, Georgia, not that Florida was, a, you know... Any great shapes when it comes to being progressive, they weren't. But Georgia was worse than Florida was. So, and everybody was in the same boat. And I don't just mean the Southern schools, guys. Ray Graves wasn't exactly a progressive guy, you know, the, the uh, longtime yep. Florida coach. But, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's it's amazing. Just think about this, guys. I don't know about you, but I grew up watching Steve Spurrier coach Florida. 
you know, I really, that, that was my, you know, high school, college years. I was a huge spur your fun and gun guy. And as I'm doing this research, it's really weird. Um, I'm doing the research and I realize Steve Spurrier never played against a black player in college. <laughs> you know, he didn't play, but it, so it was, but it wasn't just UF. It was the whole league and he won the high school, but no one ever tells us that. And so when you bring it up, uh, people are uncomfortable. I, well, that's why we have the protest gang. So mm-hmm. you can get it on sports by Brooks on Twitter, okay. sports by Brooks.com. And I really appreciate you guys listening yeah, to me because I know I'm, I'm no, not filibustering no. here. No, 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 excited. you're fine. No, we, we appreciate, we always appreciate you coming on. I really enjoy your stories and, and yep. enjoy following you on, on Twitter and Brooks, we're definitely going to have you on in the future. And we've got to, uh, we've got to wrap this show up because over here on the East coast, awesome. it's, it's nearing our bedtime, but we appreciate uh, your time this evening. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Thank you so much guys. I really have a great one. You too. Bye-bye now. Take care. Sports by Brooks. Sports by Brooks. Sports by Brooks. Ahmad, you're quiet. Yeah, man. You know, I just you know, sometimes <laughs> it's best for us to just stop talking, shut up, and listen. So just, just sometimes um, you gotta listen. Yeah, I decided to, to shut up and listen today, and uh, <laughs> let you, you draw the boat with Sports by Brooks. He's uh, interesting. Yeah. So you you know you know what my uh, you don't know yet, but you you heard some stories about me driving the boat, so you know that you know yeah. that could be a good thing or a bad I, thing. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Is that time of the show? Amaz Word of the Week brought to you by Manscaped.com. The best of the best when it comes to man grooming essentials. I still got that lawnmower 3.0 keeping me fresh, keeping the fade good down there, um, Dan. No nicks. Yeah, skin safe technology, still skin safe, bro. You know what I'm saying? No accidents, man. Waterproof. I've been electrocuted. I'm still here. Uh, so instead of rushing back to the barbershop, risking the Rona, man, the spike is back out. Uh, you boys take care of them grooming needs at the crib, man. Use coupon code SG at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com. Again, that's SG. Coupon code SG at checkout. Haven't been using the weed whacker all that much, man. But No weed whacking? The lawnmower, man. The lawnmower is where it's at. Okay. Hey, uh, Dan, word of yes, the week. Sir. Right, ready? Born ready. All right. Dan, if somebody, if you, if you tell somebody a story, right? Mm-hmm. And it's real hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Right? And you say, and, and they, they, they tell you to, to put it on something. What does that mean? If well, you tell us, well. if, if you tell a story and say, Dan, put it on something. Oh, okay. What does that mean? Oh, man. Um... Put it on something. <laughs> this isn't the bando anymore. Uh, put it on some. Put it on. Um, can you use it in a sentence again? I, I still, man. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I got you. you like, man, still, man, I was doing 100 all the way here the whole time. Probably two, 150, 200. Put and it on some. Man, put it on some. I'm not for real, bro. I promise. Put it on something. So it's either one or two things. Like it's like you put your hand on the Bible and you like swear, yeah. like I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah? Put put it on God. But, uh-huh. so you put it on whatever. So you'd be like, put it on something. You know, I put it on your God. Moms. I put it on my mom or I put it on my daughter. But I'm just I'm telling okay. you to put it on something. Like say okay. so say you swear, swear to something. 
There you go. I like it. I'm getting there. There you go, Woo. Dan. Wasn't a bad shot once you got it broken down into layman's yeah, terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it just, it just took a second. Just took a second. Yeah. Amon got I'm you not there. Not 100% of the way there, you know? There you yeah. go. Dan going to be teaching me something soon. <laughs> Dan going to take this back to his, uh, his, his work Zoom calls. That's right. <laughs> Did you get that assignment done? Yeah, you can put it on something? No. Uh, <laughs> you got to blame the coaches, man. That's what it's about. Speaking of which, I uh, I couldn't um, – not speaking of – well, I guess speaking of work, two of my best friends uh, from work, uh, one of them lives in Nashville and his wife's about to have a baby. So I couldn't stay out of Nashville too long, so I think I'm going to head back up there uh, next week. So I know you guys are always curious about the next time I'm going to make it to Nashville. So, what the Rona looking like in Nashville? What the, is the spike out in Nashville? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's a you risk I have to take. Traveling on. when you traveling out there, you got to take for the spike. You know what I'm saying? Right. You just I'm can't look now. Nashville, COVID update. Be showing other people place there. Yeah, you don't even know what the, co- the Corona culture is, man. Do you got oh. you got enough mask? You gotta do. Yeah, uh, I do. I do. I do have a mask. You gotta get your Rona check, uh, Dan. They've only had. They not only. This is super sad. They've had forty-one people die. So um, in Davidson, which is what Nashville. So I don't think they're. I don't think they're spiking. Um, Four hundred seventy-five in the state of Tennessee. I'll be careful. I got a mask. I'll wear it on the plane and stuff like that. Yeah, you can get it through sex too. So wear condoms, man. If oh, you, well, very if good. You take the wife, if you take the oh, wife. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm not even. Oh, like I ain't even. You know what I'm saying? Oh man. Out of control. Speaking of which, Corey, you want to take us out? Oh man, I got this song today. Sure do. I can't put uh, little baby the bigger picture on another song. I don't put it on like two shows already. That was my feelings, though. That's what I wanted you to go with. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I to it earlier. What's up? I, I listened to it earlier. I just had to vibe to it. Hey, so while we're did you like it or what? I, I love that song, bro. Just got, I, I really break it down and just listen to everything he's just saying, bro. And just yeah, yeah, he talking that shit, man. Yeah, he, he doing it. Hey, so uh, the song "Put It On Me" by Ja Rule is that related or no? No, bro. This, okay. That is not nearly Dan, the same this is thing. A, this is okay. type of show, Dan. Mm. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm reading the lyrics again. It's been a long time since I heard it. Dan, like, wilder. Um, <laughs> you gonna play Ja Rule? Um, I am not playing Ja Rule. Who are you? Josh Newberg <laughs> trying to choose my song, man? What are you doing? Man, so you're gonna put on Ja Rule. Um... Let me just get Meek Mills 100 Summers. I want to overthink it. Can't wait to listen to it for the very first time. Same corner, same time, Daniel. See you next week. Yay. Following the boat and signs. <laughs> <laughs>
show me when they call me with a ratchet Rather see me in the cell than see me in the casket I show love to all my fans cause I fell through all this rapping woe I got homies that die young and I miss them, tell the truth I feel like I let them down and that's word the little snoop I put diamonds in your face and when they see me, they see you Know they'll kill me in my hood, but I just keep on coming through Still with it, the graveyard throwing a party for all the real niggas They invited me, but shit, I got a meal ticket And everybody want me to get out, we gotta deal with it As I walk through the valley of the shadows of death I did some things that I had to regret I see some things I can never forget The reaper to my homie's soul feel like he had to mean this I just want them ball hundred songs Seen too many of my dogs going under How I made it out alive, sometimes I wonder Cause we been going to war since Contra Grew up around the monsters that shoot you in your face Ain't used to showing no love because we grew up in them hate Live by the sword, die by the sword, wait Try to make it home, they shot him in the hallway Tears on my face, feel like I be crying blood Mom won't see us on again, we call that blind love I can't trust these niggas that get you lined up Try to rob me, got smoke for them, rolling his times up You gon' be a killer or a homicide Make your mama shut a tear before my mama cry Was young and great, but they still smoke them at the waffle spot Only God could judge me when I clutch and let that chopper rock Feel this shit I wrote this in blood, this some of my realest shit They say if he rich as fuck, why he moving so militant? Cause in my hood it ain't no love and I know what I'm dealing with As I walk through the valley of the shadows of death I did some things that I had to regret I see some things I can never forget The reaper to my homie's soul feel like he had to mean this I just want them ball hundred songs Seen too many of my dogs going under 